It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Greenhouse Show on KSL News Radio. Good morning, Maria Shalas, Tom Bettis with you this morning. We are taking your calls, and the phone lines are open at 801 575 8255. You can text us at 57500. Tom, it's a good time to think about, you know, those house plants and do they need to be repotted? And how often does a house plant need to be repotted? Generally, about every two years is the guideline. Some plants will tolerate being in their pot longer, like we talked about the snake plant every four years or so. The uh, amaryllis don't like to be transplanted that often because it can prevent them from blooming, and they like to be just a little bit root-bound in those pots. Mm -hmm. But uh, for the faster-growing plants, with some exceptions, every other year. Okay. How If you're looking at your plant, you know, you're looking at your plants in your house, you're not sure when they were repotted. Uh, what's the sign that they need to be repotted? What to look for is if you can, if it's smaller and you can knock the pot off carefully, then you'll, if you see around the edges more roots than soil, then it needs to be transplanted. If it gets really bad and it's in a cheap pot, the roots especially on something like spider plant, can crack the pot Mm -hmm. because they're growing so big. I mean, some other things to look for is when you water, if the water just rushes right through around the edges of the pot because there's so many roots that it's hard for the water to penetrate into the soil is another sign that you can look for. Sometimes plants will become less vigorous and more prone to diseases because the potting soil has been exhausted and started to break down also. I have a big ficus tree in my living room, and every other year or so, I have to add, at least add, more soil to this big, huge pot. What happens to that soil? Where it's does organic it matter, and so it just breaks down, and soil microorganisms will digest and decompose the organic matter, and it's turned into uh, smaller molecules of carbon, but eventually a lot of it is lost as it's broken down as carbon dioxide. And so it's just the natural breakdown of that organic matter. And so that is why you have to keep adding more. So when you are adding in soil to a big pot like that, should you be mixing it in? Is it, Are you going to be disturbing the roots? You don't if you want try to, do to that? tear up the roots. Just put it over the top. You don't want to put too much in there and bury the trunk of say like a ficus or bury the stems too deeply, but you can add more in, you know, if you have great big plants that are in, you know, pots that would hold, hold a volume of 15 or 20 gallons, those can be really hard to transplant. And there are a few companies that will come and do it for you. They'll go into your kitchen or your living room and put tarps down and just get it done. 
and then clean up everything and they're gone and and they might you'll probably even bring a new pot so that can cost a little bit of money but i think cactus and tropicals at least used to offer that and there's a few other plant maintenance companies that will do it yeah i think mine is about six foot tall now or even taller than that and even the thought of replacing that in the living room with all that fine furniture is like, oh. Yeah, and that's when you get the pot under a hand truck or some sort of dolly. When it's warm in the spring, you move it out on your porch. That's what I'm going to do. And do your transplanting out there. Uh, okay. Uh, next listener would like to know, can you recommend a good place to read about starting seeds in Utah? Well, there are several good resources online. USU has a free fact sheet if you uh, just do an internet search of starting seeds and USU, it will come up. Penn State has a really good one. I think Colorado has a decent one. So any place like that, then there are YouTube videos out there. We did one. Yes, we did. A couple of years ago. If you go we to did. the KSL Greenhouse YouTube channel, it'll be pretty easy for you to find there. Yes. And so there's plenty out there. Some things I like to look for, if it has a .edu on the you know, an extension system has put it together. They're usually pretty good. We're not perfect. You know, there are a lot of good horticulturists locally, Alex Grover, Malie Nelson Hokey, who's been on, they've both been on the program, have really good value. I would actually follow Malie's channel and Alex's. Malie does weekly videos on anything from growing persimmons or, you know, lemons to transplanting seeds. And she's really good. So those are some other good non-USU resources that you can look at. Right now, January is the time to plan, not really to plant any seeds though, right? There are some things. If you're really into it, the petunias need to be started now. Onions need to be started now if you're doing them from seed. So they're ready for transplant. Geraniums, if you're doing them from seed, take quite a while and need to be seeded soon. Anything that you're putting into baskets, like a a patio basket, needs to be seeded now so that you can get those planted into the baskets and up to size when you put them outside. Well, that's a good plan. I have all of these old hanging baskets that I don't... That would be a fun project. Yeah, and so I'm actually... I've been talking to Mike Karen. We're going to be starting a few seeds fairly soon. I like to... What I like to do if I'm planting early is have my lights, you know, over the table. And then I'll put my table next to a window for extra lighting during the day. Mm -hmm. Because if you're starting things in January, it's hard. But if you can get both fluorescent or LED lights over the tops of the plants, plus the supplemental lighting coming in from the window, that is a good way to get those seeds going. And then... For a lot of seeds, I like to put heat mats underneath and get that soil up to the high 70s, low 80s. And for warm season vegetables, so tomatoes, peppers, uh, that if I'm starting early for some reason, those warmer temperatures will help keep them from getting damping off. Well, one thing I've never done is start seeds in a hanging pot. So maybe that's going to be my latest adventure. Yeah, you could definitely do that. I mean, normally... I would start them in a six-pack and then transplant them into the hanging pot Mm -hmm. or some sort of seed trays. But it would be interesting to just map it out and put the seeds in there and let it go. 
Well, won't I have to be really careful about what I'm planting in there to make sure that the seeds will grow at the same um, yeah, it time frame? Yeah, on because... what you want. Because say you're doing marigolds or uh, Mexican, uh, not primrose, but Mexican sunflowers, you know, those would be six weeks ahead of when you're going to put them outside or maybe if they're in the basket, eight or ten. But if you were doing petunias, you would need to get those in within the next couple of weeks. Okay, so if I did wave petunias, I could just do all wave petunias yep. and just fill it up. Yeah, and, and what you would want to do is get pelletized seed. Oh. And so pellet, the petunia seeds are so small that if you don't have a mist bench that you will have to just keep them constantly wet, like several times a day, spraying them down. And so on petunias, another really small seed, you can get what are called pelletized seeds, and they have a small water-soluble coating around them that just makes growing them a lot more forgiving when they're young. Mm -hmm. And so if you're doing petunias, always do pelletized seeds. And where do I find those? Uh, local garden centers okay. or ball seed, park seed, Harris seed. You can find pelletized seed from several. It's it's something that a lot of gardeners haven't heard of, but they're fairly available. All right. Good to know. And the number for you to call with your questions, 801-575-8255. You can text us at 57500. We'll be right back. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. The Greenhouse Show on KSL News Radio. And the number to call with your questions, 801 575 8255. You can text us at 57500. Anna is on the line in Salt Lake City. Good morning, Anna. What is your question? Hi. Um, last fall, I had to replant about two thirds of my grass in my backyard. Um, and it came up, and it was looking lovely. You know, it was all pretty, and I've just babied it and babied it. But I am just wondering about, with all the snow, I also have kids who want, are just dying to go out and play in the snow, and I've not even let them get near it because I'm still babying it. <laughs> um, how long, it, I mean, is that, that, is that logical? Do I need to not have them um, romp and play on the newly grown grass until it gets a little stronger in the spring. When did you seed it? Yeah, the end of September. Okay, and did you mow it at all? Uh, n- oh, no, I didn't. Not before okay. it. Okay. The snow cover is the best thing for it right now, protecting it, keep it keeping it from frost heaving or drying out. Uh, and how how big are your kids? Teenagers, little ones? They're little. The oldest is 10. and You know, the if they is... were careful and didn't break through the snow, I think they would be fine. Okay, but uh, if, if it's uh, getting down to where the, uh, there's still plenty out there right now, but if it's yeah. getting down to where the grass is showing just a 
keep them off of it. Yeah, I, that's what I would do. And I just, you, know, you don't want them out there digging holes in it and things of that nature. But if they wanted to go romp around and throw some snowballs or pull a sled around or something, I think they would be okay as long as they were careful. Okay, but no, no snowmen. <laughs> uh, you know, if you take that down to, say, they're rolling snow, big snowballs and getting it down to grass level, there's a small possibility that if we all of a sudden went from the 20s and 30s down to single digits or below zero, that that grass could be damaged. But if, you know, the snow cover is on there and there's still a couple of inches over the top, even with the footprints, I think that they're light enough, you know, that they're as long as it's not excessive, they'll be okay. Okay, good. Well, they'll be happy to hear that. But I wanted to baby that grass because yes, and I I understand your caution. You. And, yeah, I'd be cautious. Yes, too. and if the grass got up a couple inches tall before it went dormant, we got snow cover. It's probably tall enough to sustain sustain a little bit of traffic from kids. Okay. Well, thank you. I appreciate knowing that, and my kids will be happy to know it too. Thank All you. Right, Anna, Tell thanks. them they owe me money. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So. Thanks for your call okay. this morning. Next listener, Ton says all their leaves on their trees are off, but their rose bushes still have leaves on them. Are they going to be okay? Oh, they'll be fine. Roses want to be evergreen and they want to flower through the winter. And so if you were to move to someplace like Portland, San Francisco, Los Angeles, those roses are just going gangbusters right now mm-hmm. in general, just because it's warm enough for them to do that. Roses are happiest in climates that are cooler during the summer, but a little warmer during the winter, but they happen to tolerate Utah, especially those hybrid tea. So all I would do is cut them back enough so that the snow doesn't break the stems. And then in mid-March, go in and cut them to, depending on their age, between knee height and thigh height to three or four main canes. Yeah, I think uh, the snow has done a number on my couple of my rose bushes. We have really deep snow, and between the snow blower blowing, I think I'm going to have some broken branches for sure. Well, it, fortunately, they usually recover quickly. Well, that's a good thing. Because I'm looking at one of these rose bushes, and I'm not sure who did the snow blowing, but it's it's kind of looks like it's really off to the side of the plant. I've got some bushes. I was trying to help some neighbors out. There's a home with two young couples. That there's one basement upstairs, mm-hmm. and I was snow blowing. They didn't have shovels yet or anything. And I've got a row of bushes on the property line, and I sucked up a branch from one of those bushes into my snowblower. It was interesting getting it out. But I think stuff like that happens. And it's amazing the force that that snow comes out Mm -hmm. from those snowblowers, especially the big eight horse or the two stage. I mean, it's forceful. You have to be careful. I've noticed a lot, too, with that heavy snowfall, I have bushes that have, like, had snow melting right down the center. So the I'm looking at the bushes going, oh my gosh, what are they going to look like in the spring? Those, if you can knock the snow off carefully, you oh. can tap them with a stick. I like to get a, a leaf blower out. And if I've got snow on my junipers or my arborvita, I'll just use my leaf blower to blow the snow off. And that generally works. You don't have to climb up in there. It's a little more gentle on the foliage. And so that's kind of my trick is to use it. You will get snow all over you and you'll have a new experience in cold. <laughs> I see like fit people on YouTube and Insta and things. Well, I'm going to go take my ice back a- a- after my run and you'll get that. So, but it does work. It. 
Okay. Well, I we were gone for the Rose Bowl, and that's when we had those two huge snowstorms. It came back, and the snow starting to melt, and like right down the center of some of the bushes in the front of our house, like the snow is just you couldn't blow it out right at this point. It's really heavy. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I clean, if it looks like it's going to break or bend the branches. All you can do is try to get it out of there as gently as you can. It's going to be interesting in the spring to see how the poor yards survive. But we need the water, and it's been a great winter water-wise. We really do. I've California has actually been releasing water from the reservoirs because they're expecting so much more. They're trying to keep their reservoirs from overflowing, which is not really new, but you don't see that that often. I know we've done that here periodically, but they've had so much water they've been having to release it. Yeah. The, uh, it was a very wet weekend in California. If you were thinking it was going to be warm and you're going to go to the beach during the Rose Bowl, that did mm-hmm. not happen. It's been very interesting. It has. Uh, California is interesting, and I'm glad they're getting their moisture that they need. Hopefully it continues. And, you know, I don't want flooding, but, you know, it, it's getting scary. I read that some scientists are predicting that if we don't do something with the Great Salt Lake, that it could be mostly dry within five to ten years. Yeah, it's scary. All right, we're going to take a break for the top of the hour news. When we come back, we're going to be talking about plant catalogs, how to read them, more, much more on the KSL Greenhouse Show straight ahead here on KSL News Radio. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.